Well, welcome to another episode of Talking with Friends. Today, we're excited to welcome back uh, Tim, uh, aka the Bard of Arda. And Hello. the last time, Tim, you were here, you we were told people to find you as Glamdring Foehammer, <laughs> but um, let the record show that that has since changed, and you are the Bard of Arda. Yes. Um, and you can find him as such on the TikToks. On the tick, yes, on the TikToks, the Bard of Arda. It's a fantastic so, name. Yeah. Thanks for all the help, Callie. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk people through that uh, name change process real yes. quick? Um, it's not Bardo Farda. Oh. That's, that's, that's all I need to say. Is it reads like that on TikTok? The Bardo Farda. I they don't give you capital letters. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what's funny is that, you know, how TikTok just, I, by the time this episode comes out, TikTok will probably make another change to the way that they do things in that stupid app. But currently, uh, you know how people's um, user, it's not showing people's usernames at the bottom of their videos. It's showing like their display name or I don't even yeah. know what the word yeah, is. Mine, like mine, says, name. mine says Timmy DeMarco now, which will never change. So that's good. You don't yeah. worry about That is about you. Internet. That, yes, that's, that is that's right. Why does not change your name in it if you don't want your full name right. showing? <laughs> <laughs> right. But that is, if you want to Google that, it's it's Tim. Um, <laughs> but mine says Andy Inc. But I've noticed that the Inc. is capitalized in the display now. Ooh. So do with that information what you will. I uh -huh. uh, that would be nice if TikTok incorporated you for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, TikTok just been doing their own thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, but go follow Tim. Go follow Callie. Uh, that is your takeaway. That's your homework if you haven't done so already, <laughs> dear listener. And, okay. of course, and of course, Andy Inc., as, as oh. she just mentioned, who who is the host of this wonderful podcast that we are on. Oh, you big flirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Stim. <laughs> uh, kisses and hugs. Um, so today we are discussing the Houses of Healing and the Last Debate, which are, you know, they're actually pretty short chapters. Um to accompany their very short sections of film. <laughs> um, what was it that, Tim, did you count how many it was, minutes it actually is? Like about seven minutes with like little extra things plugged in in the middle of these little scenes. Right. Oh, right. Not a lot. So, no, it is not. So like, I think the houses of healing, um, if you want to rewind where you stopped last time and go to two hours, 55 minutes and 10 seconds into the extended edition of return of the King, and then literally watch two minutes and then skip back to three hours and four minutes for the last debate. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I know that last time when uh, Nick was here, he was trying to talk about the Houses of Healing, and I was like, back off, buddy. That's Tim. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. We totally were doing right. that. <laughs> I was like, we'll get there. I know, I promise. We'll get there. Because this part does show up, in that section of movie that we talked about last time, but I was like, no, Peter messed it up. And so we're, we're going to, 
because before I didn't ever have to like skip backwards. I would just add to whatever we were talking about. But we've got so many people like signed up for chapters. I can't move them anymore. So um, that's just how it is. Uh, I don't. Who knows what will happen next? I don't think we'll have to do too much skipping forward. I mean, we're, you know, you can see us getting closer and closer to when the timelines are finally, like, syncing up. Um, and our crew will be reunited at some point in this movie. And then we won't have to worry about that anymore. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are. So when this part of the movie opens, we say Aragorn entered the Houses of Healing as a movie watcher, you would not know that. Um, it's an extended scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's really only there for people who do know what the heck is happening in the first place, you know? Um, and so there's really no setup for the scene because of the way that it was, like, added back in. Uh, I'm curious to wonder, like, how that editing process was. Like, was there more scene that also got cut that could have, like, set this up a little bit? But it's really, like... Amir sees his sister Eowyn on the battlefield, does this, like, I mean, heart-wrenching... I don't even think we hear the scream, but the face that he makes, that Carl Urban makes, gets me every time. And then it cuts to, it's clearly nighttime, Aragorn going into the Houses of Healing. Um, And there are, you know... uh, so there's no really setup for what's going on, so I think that this is our chance to explain it a little bit, because there, there's a lot more to it, really, than just Aragorn coming in and, like, giving Eowyn a nice little cool towel for her forehead, you know? It, it just kind of looks like he's being a nice guy, but, um, you there's know... There's so much more in the books to it. Yeah. Yeah. Callie, do you want to set this up a little bit for people? Um, so they... What the heck is he doing there? Why Aragorn? Like, what the heck is he doing there? Yeah, Yeah. so they're in the Houses of Healing, and they've brought in their patients. Um, We can talk about how Mary gets there in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sticking point for me. I don't, like, every time I read that, I'm not happy, but... So, Aragorn... hmm? I said, that's fair. fair. (laughs) I have, like, a whole line in my notes of why, but um, uh, (laughs) the reason Aragorn is... um, It's meaningful that he is there is there is this... um, One of the women who helps or runs the Houses of Healing has um, this quote that she says and it says the hands of the king are the hands of a healer and so shall the rightful king be known so that is a pretty big tip off for us because we have been hearing uh Aragorn uh being referred to as the rightful king of Gondor and so Gandalf is has this light bulb moment and he's like Yorith, yes you're little genius and he he says yes and so he's <laughs> I love that because they're basically like like Tolkien takes two seconds to say that this black shadow and later oh, there's a poem that refers to it as the black breath but like this sickness that the Nazgul can cause where people mm-hmm. are like 
stricken, who are, people who are stricken with it fell slowly into a very deep dream and then passed into silence and a deadly cold and so died. And there's no cure for it, right? Like, if you get that, they don't, they don't have the mastery. They don't have the knowledge they need to fight that. And so Yareth brings up this old, uh, what would you say, like, like a old wives saying or something, you know, That's like sort of what she believes her. it is at the time. Right. Yeah. And but yeah. Then, you know, it's like, Oh my God. Yes. Duh. And, and goes and gets our boy Aragorn to, to help out. Yeah. Gandalf's like a King, a King. You say we, we have one, we have Kings. <laughs> <laughs> we brought one with us. Hey. <laughs> um, so that, that is pretty cool. And I guess, um, I had a question about that quote and that part. Like, mm-hmm. did Aragorn learn? Does he? Because we've see we see him in the earlier parts of the book, doing books, doing mm-hmm. some healing, and it's sort of I thought led us to believe that it was sort of learned, elvish or healing. Yeah. But then this, but then this quote makes us implied like he can do this healing not because of skills he learned from the elves, but because of a bloodline thing. Right. And it almost gives me, like, Sword in the Stone vibes. Like, you know, whosoever pulleth out this sword, (laughs) he is the rightful king of England. You know what I mean? And, like, whoever can heal these people of this super evil sickness is the king. I know that's not what it is, but that's the vibe. Yeah. So I, I think I think a dis, uh, an explanation for that's actually given in this chapter, because um, Aragorn says, "Well, if only Elrond was here, because he's the oldest of my kindred." Yeah, he says our race, and I was like, yep. "Our race because of Luthien's line." Because of Luthien's line, because of the the half elven split of of El- Elrond's brother being his oldest ancestor, and I think mm-hmm. after after the scene a little bit later on, Aragorn and Elrond's two sons are the ones that go around healing all the rest of the people. Mm. So I think it is a little bit of the line of kings, a little bit of the elvish, but it's also the elves that we do know are from that same line. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Um, I feel like my brain just was, like, not reading that correctly. So, yeah, that that makes sense. And I do feel like, you know, Elrond is the one who um, gets the, you know, the Morgul blade shard out of Frodo's shoulder Mm -hmm. and it always sounds a little bit like magical surgery when you read it about it in the I mean it's only like a couple of lines but it it does sound like that and I'm always like what like how does elf surgery work but in the same (laughs) way here like Aragorn is able to like so we get to see Ethelus again, and that's, and you know, if we remember, Aragorn used to help Frodo after he was stabbed by the Witch King at Weathertop in Fellowship, you know, and so it's it's funny that they bring it up there and then never use it again, but Aragorn, in the books, he also uses it after Frodo and Sam are wounded in Moria. Um, he, he's always carrying it around with him, but I, he's obviously out at this point and asks for it from the herb lore master and he's like oh that's it has no virtue to talk about he's like oh you're an idiot um but then somebody some old man has it for his headaches or something um and he's able to use that but that is when you see tolkien 
right? The steps that he kind of goes through to heal Eowyn and Faramir and Mary. The FLS is always the last step to kind of bring them back to the world of the living. He, like, does this thing where he, like, touches their foreheads and, like, their eyes. You know what I mean? He, like, touches where they were hurt and he calls their name. Um, it's a bit exorcism-y, isn't it? I'm like, Aragorn is, like, legit magical right now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he... It just makes me think, like, has his whole family had this, like, special... I mean, I know that there's something to him being partially raised by Elrond. But at the same time, like, there were people before him who could have technically claimed the kingship, but we were obviously, as we pointed out in previous episodes, he was waiting... They've been waiting for Isildur's bane to reveal itself, you know? Um, the, AKA the ring. They were, they was like, they felt like they needed, they needed that, um, in order to like the right, the wrongs of the past. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting to think about how that works. It honestly reminds me of like our Numenorean discussion that we had last time where it's like, what does it mean to be mm -hmm. a king in this situation? Like, is that a learned thing that he did just now? Or is he extra super special? Maybe both. I think both. it's both, like we were talking about in the last episode that I was on for sure, where it's not only is he of the perfect bloodline, he was raised by Elrond in Rivendell. He had the lore, the greatest lore master that's left in Middle-earth to train him on top of being who he is of his descendants. So it's definitely, yeah. I, I feel like he's the perfect example of what a Numenorean is. And I mean, it's shown throughout the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really cool scene. I and I also think it's like it's one of the only times that we really get to see Aragorn be kind of sassy because <laughs> he's oh, yeah. because he like I is so it. annoyed with them like not knowing what Ethelus is. Um, and then and then you know, Yard is talking and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> oh yeah it's so great um just, just to like it's just so funny like seeing aragorn kind of upset you know like he's not upset but when he's when mary finally wakes up and he is like just you know the way that they talk to you know it's clearly they have this like teasing relationship um because you know mary is like he's kind of feeling like he's waited on a little bit because he, i mean he kind of is but like he kind of recovers a little bit faster than everybody else um mm -hmm. i think that's part hobbit part that he wasn't like he had a, he wasn't like as hurt um i mean he did have the black breath or like the black shadow or whatever you want to call it but um he's just able to you know bounce back a little bit faster um and he's like asking for his pipe and stuff yes and, and aragorn is like if you think that i have passed through the mountains and the realm of gondor with fire and sword to bring herbs to a careless soldier who throws away his gear you are mistaken if your pack <laughs> has not been found then you must send for the herb master of this of this house and he will tell you that he did not know that the herb you desire had any virtues but that it is called westman's weed by the vulgar and galenus by the noble and other names and other tongues more learned and after adding a few <laughs> forgotten rhymes that he does not understand he will regretfully inform you that there is none in the house and he will leave you to reflect on the history of tongues and it, <laughs> like, i just imagine mary being like 
You Where did that all come from? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> but then Pippin is like, dude, your bag is right there. He knew that the whole time. Like, and that is so. And that is so cute. That is what is what a yeah. The moments with the hobbits are really precious. They they, they really make a point of that to sort of I don't know contrast the doom and gloom of everything mm. else. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and like they constantly point out how grim Aragorn is, and then you have like Merry and Pippin being like, Meh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a bunch of silly gooses. But it, and it's also nice because it's like. I love it whenever they, like, call him Strider, because you see, like, the duality of Aragorn, you know what I mean? Like, he has this other side to him that is Strider, you know what I mean? And he even says that, like, that's going to be the name of his house, but, like, in a different different word, but same, same. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, no, that was, a, that was a great moment, like, the humbleness of Aragorn in this time. Um, him arriving to the city, you know, bringing the army that uh so not the army of the dead like in the movies yeah. <laughs> but, but he did play you know a huge role in ensuring that the corsairs did not make it there they didn't come arriving with a bunch of ghosts they just came arriving not with more enemies which is still very good yeah uh, <laughs> like he brought men he did you know he brought some people from the south the, with them rangers and stuff right mm-hmm. um but so he arrives in this city and he has every right to claim it as his own, but he doesn't, right? Um, he he chooses right. to camp out in the field. I know, and- I know that the movie doesn't do this because he obviously in the next in the last debate scene he is in the Citadel, but mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like them having him come at nighttime at the Houses of Healing was almost like kind of a nod of him like showing up and doing that secretly, even though they kind of throw it away in the next scene. But um, but yeah, Aragorn doesn't openly enter the city uh and who wants to go into more about why that is tim so so i have i was, I was actually thinking about this when i was reading it last night um the aragorn we see in the movies is so hesitant to be the king the entire trilogy all the way up until he gets Anduril. Mm-hmm. and this is really the only time we get in the books where he's like i'm i can't do this right now this is not the time and at first, it's um, he still thinks Denethor is alive. Yep. Um, he comes in. They they keep saying the stewards in the house is a healing, referencing Faramir. But he still thinks I'm not going to mess things up in the city. I'm not going to come in, claim the throne, start the strife with Denethor because it's going to be a big problem. Right, because he knows that people love Denethor. You know, like that's their leader, and they have been sticking by him. And he's like, I'm not going to like divide these people now. Of all mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Even when he realizes it's that Denethor is gone and it's Faramir, but he's injured, he's like, no, I still, I'm not going to do this yet. First of all, he has a lot of things to take care of. Second of all, he doesn't want to be that. So he puts uh, Imrahil. He says, you're going to be the acting steward while Faramir is hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's such a cool part. Like you were talking about Callie, him being humble in this scene. He has every right to just come in, raise his sword of Elendil's sword, with the crown, with the elf stone, and do all of these things, but he he puts it aside because way more to worry about than being the king and taking these things, taking this uh, title up right now. And it almost like kind of helps him that he so he secretly goes into the houses of healing, but like 
the house is appealing is clearly full of gossips like the ladies that work there <laughs> yeah. I, don't know that, I don't know what that, that's about token but like you are just like oh my gosh i told you guys Ugh, like <laughs> can you believe it and so they start like whispering around the city like that the king has come again but then aragorn is like dead tired and so he goes to bed and then everyone is like oh like was that real like did we mm-hmm. just make that up but it kind of plants that seed without him ever having to do anything um and you know faramir as soon as he wakes up and he's like like my king you know he's like whatever ever you want me i'll go you know and mm-hmm. he's like dude just rest like <laughs> just <woke> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i love yeah. The, i love that uh the where he's where the rumor mill starts to go and they start calling him Elfstone, the name he was given as a child that he was going to, you know, grow up to be. He was mm-hmm. given it to by his own people as he finally takes up his role in Minas Tirith, being the hands of a healer, being the hands of a king. It's it's poetic justice, just like Tolkien does in this entire trilogy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it'd be like real full circle for Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and despite having all these lofty titles and names and everything, um, when he's addressed as Strider by the Hobbits, and I think maybe it's Eomer who's kind of a little bit taken aback. He's like, is that how we will address our king? And Strider is like, yes, like I, I, I will be your king, but Strider will be the name of my house. And that really sets the tone for what kind of king he wants to be. And Yeah, I, I, really, I really like that moment, and I think we trade off off a lot of big battle scenes for these little tiny very meaningful very very meaningful moments Um, i know and it's like i think in the movies there's so much around the hobbits that we've talked about before where we kind of are just supposed to assume that everybody in the fellowship is on good terms you know what i mean without them ever having to say anything to each other but in the book they are they're like ribbing each other they're saying sweet things to each other you know they're speaking on very familiar terms and i mean like who wouldn't you've just been through like insane stuff together but and it always throws people back around them and also just like the way pippin spoke to denethor like he was like okay you know like he, they don't use like the fancy tone your words that, that people are supposed to but everyone finds them just charming as heck you know um and i think that there there are so many little moments between like mary and pippin and gimli and legolas and aragorn and you know that don't get touched on in the movies and you know i don't like sometimes i get it like of course like everything is different in a movie but there's always just a few little lines that i think could have been made room for uh to to better demonstrate how close everyone is you know but you know the houses of healing like that wasn't even really added to the movie (laughs) so um hard to make a suggestion there but i am kind of surprised that they don't name ethelos in it at the very least yeah, you think yeah, they that... could have been a good moment for them to do a call back or something? Yeah, because or... like movie fans know what that is. Like, they yeah. took the time to introduce it, and I think the reason is for this moment, not for the moment with Frodo. This is the time to 
use it. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, showing yeah. that he it shows how he is the king. Oh, um, and the descriptions, the descriptions of him preparing uh, Aragorn preparing the Athalas in um, in the books is like uh, it's so. I want to smell it so. You want to be there. I mean, it's like the best. It's like it would be like a eucalyptus you know aromatherapy yeah. or something oh it just yeah. like the not, descriptions not made me feel better not sweet but wholesome wholesome that's, and fresh that's the way he describes it Verily. fresh like the freshest air that has never been breathed before i mean <sighs> wow <laughs> what the kids call that crisp <laughs> the nice crisp air <laughs> extra crispy extra. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where I've seen that, but I think I've seen that somewhere. <laughs> Do I sound like an old lady now? Never mind. Um, don't listen to me. If you if you're under thirty, I don't understand you. Um, so <laughs> sorry. Um, so I will say that although this chapter isn't really featured in the movie, there is a line that movie fans may remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, from Gandalf about Eowyn and Wormtongue, but in the movie they give it to Wormtongue uh, to Eowyn um, and, it, and it comes at the end of this passage and I want to read the whole thing because without it like I struggle so hard to not re- hear these last couple of lines in um, Brad Dorff's um, mm-hmm. voice so I'm, I'm help me out, guys. Like I'm trying to contextualize like what Gandalf is actually saying without with taking away the ickiness that Wormtongue adds to it in the movies. So okay, so here's the full passage. Um, Thank you that Wormtongue had poison only for Theoden's ears. He's talking to Eomer about Eowyn. Um, Dodor, what is the house of Errol but a thatched barn where brigands drink in the reek and their brats roll on the floor among the dogs? Have you not heard those words before? Saruman spoke them, the teacher of Wormtongue. Though I do not doubt that Wormtongue at home wrapped their meaning in terms more cunning. My lord, if your sister's love for you and her will still bent to her duty had not restrained her lips, you might have heard even such things escape them. But who knows that she spoke to the darkness alone in the bitter watches of the night when all her life seemed shrinking and the walls of her bower closing in about her, a hutch to trammel some wild thing in. Like it starts off, I've, I'm like, okay, Gandalf, like, I kind of see what you're saying. And then I just hear warm tongue and I'm like, I'm out of it. I'm I've lost <laughs> what you were saying. Could somebody like help me parse this out? Like what is Gandalf trying to tell Aemir in this moment about Eowyn. Tim, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, Gandalf says to, to or Aemir says to Gandalf that he didn't know that there was any frost in his sister until Aragorn showed up. So it really brought this big change about her. Mm-hmm. Um, to go from serving Theoden, who was this feeble old man, to, to like, okay, now you don't have to worry about it anymore. Be yourself in this time of war is when you really get to see. I like the ending line where it's uh, some hatch to, I don't know the exact words. Hatch to trammel some wild thing in. It's, mm-hmm. And it's a perfect example of her because she wants to go out and do the do the valiant deed. She wants to be that person. And to be 
kept behind those the walls uh, or behind the door was just was never an option for her. Aramur never saw it. Theoden never saw it. Uh, I mean, obviously Gandalf knew, but Gandalf has you know better insight than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thinking about the way that Grima puts it to her, it's like giving like if you come with me, like this is we'll get you out of this place. Whereas in the story, you know, Eowyn had to do that herself, and she, she did it with abundance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, right, so it's like Gandalf explaining to Amir that Wormtongue wasn't just, you, you know, using his words to manipulate Theoden, but also mm-hmm. Eowyn, and making her feel like, you know, it, and it reminds me also of, like, her words that she says when she wakes up. You know, she's, like, kind of glad. Like, she's sad that Theoden is gone. But she's also glad that he kind of got to go out the way that he did. Because, like, it's very, like, Viking vibes. And, like, you wouldn't accept yeah. anything less. Like, you have you go down fighting, right? Um, and doing something heroic. And it's almost like she was worried that her house would fall into this... Um, you know, ignoble, like, non-valiant, just, like, sitting by the sidelines and not really doing anything to fight the evil on the horizon, you know? And then she, and she was kind of feeling trapped and, like, she didn't have a way to, um, what's the word that I want? Um, to, like, achieve her goals are like what make things happen for herself and her family. Right. Um, until Aragorn and Gandalf and Legolas and Gimli show up and then things start to change. I mean, I think that that is kind of why she has a crush on Aragorn is that he is like literal winds of change for Mm -hmm. Rohan and herself. Um, And not so much that like, like, Aragorn even says here that he knows, like, he he, he knows that Eowyn, like, is crushing on him, but he's like, Eomer, she loves you truly, you know, you should be the one that's here when she wakes up, you know, you should be the one to call her. You know, he, he kind of hands the reins over to Eomer to, like, for those last few calls to, to Eowyn to kind of bring her back out of her sickness, um, which I thought was really really nice too i mean he's he is there in the scene which is great in the movie um but you know she does look at aragorn when she wakes up but it would have been nice if he had walked away and it just been just her and her brother for a, a quick second of movie mm-hmm. but have either of you i mean i was gonna initially just ask andy but that's not um you know i thought about it over a second time and that's not that's not fair at all um men and women have have either of you ever felt constrained and pigeonholed by by gender roles and what the world expects of you as a man or of you as a woman um because i know um i identified so heavily with eowyn and i think this is probably the very first character that really made me um, connect with in the books because I was raised in a, a farming family mm. and um, the gender roles and stereotypes are very 
conventional, I guess, there or and, right. and, and not very mutable. And I never felt like the other women where, you know, cleaning the home and making the food and raising the babies didn't feel ever like enough for me. I wanted to be out doing the work. I wanted to be out like doing the quote unquote man stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was always, always had a bit more of a, a feisty heart like that. Um, my yeah. mother always was just shake her head at me and say, I have a daughter with the heart of a warrior. Like, what do I do with this? You know, and I'm like, Aww. sorry, sorry, mom. Like I tried to do the ballet and I tried to do, you know, the nice domestic things, but they never at that age anyway, felt as important or as, as worthy of valor as Eowyn would say, as the stuff that the guys were out doing. So I, I don't know. I have, either of you in your lives felt like felt yeah that? I, yeah I would say that like well my mom has always been like pretty supportive I think that there is something about like oh if we want to take an example um I mean like I never wanted to be out and like doing anything physical uh you know like you know I never felt like masculine and in that way or any I don't even know what the word that I'm trying to say is but like I mean I I always wanted to do my own thing that is a hundred percent sure and mom can confirm that like (laughs) I quit ballet like almost immediately because they wanted me to braid my hair and I if you want to say wild thing that could definitely be me like I just it was like down to my butt and I just wanted it everywhere um you know and then um I when I wanted to cut it short, I mean, my mom has always had, like, she would, you know, grow it out, cut it short, grow it out, and dye it, whatever. Um, so that wasn't, like, a big deal. She was like, go for it, you know? You never know. It grows back. Who cares? But then, like, my uh, grandfather, would, every time I saw him after that, he's like, when are you going to grow your hair out? And he's like, I don't, he was just very much like, I don't like when women have short hair. And I was like, I was like, granddad, I'll, uh, grow it out when you do because <laughs> 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 oh. i mean it's just like it's such a it's so it's weird things that people get hung up on right that like have no they don't mean anything really you know um but there's also things like when i started going to the gym like i mean have i i felt so intimidated i mean it's just like all these dude dude bros are like grunting and sweating and <laughs> I don't know it was I mean it's like because I really like going but it's also like I would so much prefer like a women or you know only type of situation um just be just because I don't know I mean there's there's so many different ways that like I think we try to put ourselves in boxes um and also even trying to just meet other people's expectations for us. Cause I think that there, especially as women, there is something that like we're socialized. Like, I feel like we don't want to let anybody down. We don't want to hurt anybody's feeling, make anybody feel bad, you know? Um, and so there's like this constant struggle with like, am I doing what I want to be doing or am I doing this because it makes someone else happy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That's huge. Yeah. It's a rough, it's a rough balance because it's like, and it, it totally reminds me of the conversation that Aragorn and Eowyn have when he's like, 
you know, that's your duty. It, I mean, you know, to your people or whatever. And she's like, uh, like, will I never be able to just live my life as I will? And he's like, few people can do that with honor. And I'm like, really? Like, right now? You're, like, I don't know. It just hits me wrong. I'm like, everyone shut up. Like, <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> Because it's like, as a dude, he really doesn't have, you know, like the same expectations put on him, right? Yeah. Um, but it would be difficult as well to be, uh, you know, uh, a man and be expected to be always tough and, and you know, right. uh, you know, and, and that's you know what I mean? You know, all of the men, even that are like, I mean, maybe... Or Amir is an exception, but a lot of the dudes that we know are a little bit, they're not, like, hyper-masculine. I mean, like, they kiss each other's foreheads, and they hold hands, and, like, the, you know, there's, like, a lot mm -hmm. of that in Tolkien. So it's almost like Aragorn, it's like, like, dudes are kind of in a, in a pretty okay spot in Middle Earth, it kind of feels like, in a lot of ways. Like, maybe not, but do you know what I mean? Like, there are some things where it's like, you know, they get to be... I mean, there's so many instances where, like, they love each, you know, the love that they have for each other is so apparent, and, like, they get to express that love. Uh, but then, you know, Eowyn wants to fight for her country, and it's like, no. Don't. Uh, I, I just, I, I wonder what female um, persona or role model in Tolkien's life um, led him to create this this wonderful character of Aowen. Mm. Like I wonder if there question. was someone in his life who he saw, you know, struggling to be more than what roles her life had given her. Mm. And I would love oh. to have met that woman. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. Because you see a lot of these comparisons with I mean, we know that he called Edith, you know, Luthien to Noviel, right? Mm. And um, and then Arwen is also kind of his callback to Luthien. Um, but there's no really, like, talk about the inspiration for... I mean, that I've seen. Somebody else might know. Tim, do you know, like, inspo not, for not Eowyn? A, is that not just... a direct inspiration. we got to think about this time in Tolkien's life. Okay. Is that he had adult children, and it could have been his daughter. It could have yeah. been memories of his mother, who had to be a mother and a father to him in a new mm -hmm. land, in a new place, with two young children. There's a lot of women that were really instrumental in Tolkien's life, um, not just Edith. And um, right, it's it's weird to like put it in that perspective. How old Tolkien was writing the Lord of the Rings specifically, because he had so much inspiration to draw upon, not only in his own life but his his epic legends that he'd already written. Thinking about the the women of the first age and and before, mm -hmm. he was writing strong women then, and um, it definitely carries over. I feel I feel like a big part of it with Eowyn um is telling he definitely wants to tell the story of the of of the underappreciated people think of like the right. hobbit this is his main characters mm -hmm. right so in a war uh driven society like rohan where it is very um viking-esque that there were strong women in nordic history and he made a you know strong decision and a great decision to push Eowyn to the forefront of this yeah. of this um of our story because it could just be faceless nameless characters that win the battle 
or we know one of our main characters who kills the witch king but we get eowyn and mary two characters that in today's society we look at like you know why aren't you why aren't you gardening or cooking raising the children but tolkien didn't look at it that way yeah it's great it's like now, as as somebody who does uh, clean the house and cook the food and raise the children, there are so many male bless characters you, yes. in the story, especially the hobbits that I, I know I live and look at in my life where it's the hobbits weren't out, you know, tilling the fields like the men have to be out there. The women have to be in the home cooking and cleaning. Look at the men. The men, it's 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 a matriarchal or patriarchal society, but not the way we have it today where it's. The men were cooking. The men were taking care of the house. You know, that's what we see. Rosie Cotton's dancing in the fields. But who did she learn all this stuff from? Was her father, Tom. You know, that's such a big part of their lives. And it's, it's very, it's, it's less, um, less driven by gender, I feel like, and more like a, a, a unit, which is something that's really great about The Hobbits, is that it's, mm. it is the ideal life, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, especially if you're, I mean, like, I think even if you're a working class, I feel like you probably get, I mean, Sam seems to get a lot of satisfaction out of his job. You know what I mean? Like, I, there, there, there's gotta be something to, sometimes I wish like, like I have a desk job, right? But there, there's sometimes where I'm like, I should be out doing something. Like, I don't think we're supposed to live like this. <laughs> um, Most definitely not. You know, no. just, I just want to be a hobbit. That's all. That's so much to ask, world. <laughs> well, there's there's New Zealand. We can all move to. I know. Let's start a commune where it's just like all of us from the Discord, and we have our own little community, and we'll just go live in know. Hobbiton, and we'll live with Pickles the cat, and we'll. <laughs> Bryn said that they're hiring. They're hiring over there. They are oh, hiring. It's right if you can get your work visa. <laughs> what are the positions? <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Do I, I, will, I will sweep the floor with a straw broom. If that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. I will do that. I um, we digress. We digress. That's right. <laughs> um, was there anything else that you guys had about the Houses of Healing before we get into the last debate? I mean, I have 10 million things I could talk about this chapter. But there's <laughs> one, one specifically... There we go. Um, and <laughs> and if you've ever heard me gush about things missing from the book, it's always the Mary and Theoden relationship. Mm. You brought up what Aragorn yeah. says to him after the fact, but Mary wakes up. He says, I'm hungry. What time is it? It's the first thing out of his mouth. And they're like, oh, this, this, this. What can we do for you? He's like, I want to smoke. Wait, I don't think I'll smoke. Because he calls back to to the moment on the battlefield where he's talking to Theoden before he dies, and Theoden's like, "I wish I could have talked to you about herb lore, like like we, they were saying during the the ride of the Rohirrim, where they're just trying to you know get to know each other a little bit." And he thinks back, it's like it's one of the last things he said to me, and he's like, I, "If I smoke this, all I'll do is think of him and get sad. He doesn't oh. want to do it." And Aragorn says, "Smoke then and think of him." And and in my life, it's like such a such a profound thing where it's the things that make you think of people that you've lost it makes those things hard to enjoy but if you are thinking of it in that that perspective enjoy it think of your friend or your loved one that you did lose mm -hmm. and i all 
think about is Mary in that moment. Every time, whenever someone talks about, you know, is there a quote from Lord of the Rings that makes you, that gives you like hope or about, about loss? I think of that one. People are like, what do you mean? Smoke yeah. then and think of him is not very uplifting, but in the, in the context, it, it it's very powerful. Yeah. And I would say yeah, it's arguably my favorite That's what he needs to hear at that time. Mm-hmm. And think about all the times that we, because something is painful, we'll drop it, right? Like if something makes us think of somebody we've lost, and then we'll just, we try not to go there again, you know? But this is saying like, no, like you can feel those feelings and still enjoy your thing. You know what I mean? You can have both and like have those those feelings that you have like enjoying that thing be in remembrance of that person that you love you know don't just give up something you love because it's painful right now um and you know when you go and think about like in the appendices and we learn about what mary does later i mean does he not like become a lore master of herbs Mm -hmm. and it just makes me think of Oh, shit, Tim, what have you done? Like, now I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> is that partially, not just his love of the herb, but, like, he, this was a thing that he has literally just said, like, this is going to make me think of Theoden. Is that not him, like, honoring his memory to the end? Like, I'm thinking about Theoden every time I do this. It you know? is. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> there are a lot of really sweet little moments like that in this chapter, and it takes up like thirty seconds of movie time. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a good chapter. I know. Like I totes cried when Aowen woke up, and at first she's like, "Stay it and dead," and then they're like, "Yeah," and she's like, "She's like, all right, you know." But then she's like, "Make Mary." He a knight of the Ritter Marquis for yeah. he's valiant, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> like her second thought after like coming out of a like coma is about Mary. Yeah, and that's so sweet. I mean, it's just crazy to think about how like because it all happened in such a split second. You know, the fact that she is cognizant enough to like realize that he is the helped her in that moment with the witch king like that's wild it's amazing they're precious what can i say truly precious yeah so sweet um so do we want to last debate this was also a good chapter and deviated quite a bit from the movies yeah it's so funny because it's like um of course like the name of the chapter is coming from the moment where we're all trying to figure out what to do next right but Mm -hmm. we also get to see like legolas and gimli catching up with mary and pippin um it's kind of similar to when they catch up at isengard where yeah like legolas and gimli Mm -hmm. are like okay here's what's been going on while we were while we weren't together um and this is the moment that we find out that you know obviously we don't like in the book we have seen aragorn get the army of the dead and then we see him show up at the battle of the pelinor fields without any mention of the army of the dead um and he's got like men from uh south of gondor with him and of course like the 
the Rangers. Um, but here is where Legolas and Gimli explain that there's like, it seems like there's a whole lot more fighting happening in the south of Gondor than yeah. it is ever really mentioned in the movie. And so it kind of makes my brain just like wash over that part. But there is like so much running and like fighting. Uh, and then, so like basically the, there's, I feel like there's so many more ships like uh, from the Corsairs of Umbar in the south than is really ever shown in the movie and that is who the army of the dead helps them defeat before and then at that moment is when Aragorn is like your oath is fulfilled not after being your trump card at the battle of the mm-hmm. Pelennor fields but Peter being Peter he kind of didn't really give himself a choice like he kind of needed a get out of jail free card with the, with the ghosts with the way that that battle was designed um but yeah but then this is where we find out that um and also in the last debate they reference it again because aragorn is saying like because we've kind of freed the south of gondor there's more men coming that weren't able to be at the battle so like there's going to be all these new people coming so that we can then go to mordor and not leave the city like unprotected right that's kind of jumping the gun a little bit um <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I love the way that this chapter opens all yes. I, I, I can picture the cinematography of it of mm. just they they legless and gimli leave the battlefield and they walk through the broken gate and all i, I can i can hear the music and they're just having a grand old time legolas is singing everyone's staying at him he's so gorgeous gimli's looking <laughs> at the stonework picking apart oh, like that's nice. that is so this, my this dad this is not so nice if only <laughs> i'll get some dwarves here it'll be great we'll fix this place up no problem I, <laughs> all the way up you got to think they walked all the way up to the citadel callie you've played lord of the rings online it takes forever <laughs> to get there yes. it's so frustrating I hate the best time these two if we can if i could get in a whole episode of a tv show of just them uh, walking up to the houses of healing i'd be in heaven it's so oh, cute and legolas yeah. pointing out that they need more birds and they need more you know yeah, there's like some gardens here yeah I love that. I love they're like urban planning ministry as totally. they walk through the levels of the city. Uh, yeah. If only Anna were here, she would appreciate that. Um, but she has say a congratulations. Baby. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Anna has a whole little baby boy, hey. and so wild. It's crazy. He's adorable, and we love him already. I love his um, name. Yeah, Amos. Amos, so Anna and Amos. Yeah, it was amazing... always going to be an A name. Like her whole oh. family is like A names. And she's like, A names only. So <laughs> Okay, okay. But... Um, yeah, I know. And then oh, so they're what walking a up. And... He's so and... cute. Oh, baby! Yay! Wow. Literally the best dressed baby. <laughs> and I very, very well for him. <laughs> Say it again, Callie. I, I should. I need to stop. This is my. So when I was training way back in school and doing some medical stuff and mm. working in neonatal, it was it was a compliment between the medical staff to call a baby well formed. Oh, um, yeah, you have squished. 
But um, but I should I really should say it's a beautiful baby because people feel yeah. <laughs> a little bit strange when I compliment them on having it, a well-formed does, baby. Does that mean he's not squished from? Yeah, yeah, it just means yeah that he came out of the birth canal well. In, yeah, in the- he sure did. I was surprised too. Yeah, because I've seen some squished babies. <laughs> you know, like somebody posts a picture like immediately after. I'm like, well. Should have waited a day. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell which two of us haven't had kids yet. (laughs) Tim, were your babies squished? No, they weren't. They they came. They were very well formed. So well formed. (laughs) Well formed. (laughs) The the most perfect of forms. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anna's doing it. Anna's being a mom. I just, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Uh, That's amazing. She like FaceTime, she, she texted me while I was at work and was like, can I FaceTime you? And I had just entered a meeting with like my team and I was like, guys, I've been so worried for like 24 hours. Can I call you right back? <laughs> and so like she <laughs> FaceTimed me and I got to see him and it was like, Aww. you know, a few hours after she gave birth to him. He was talkative. He had a lot to say. That's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really cute. Good to have little lungs. Yeah. Yeah. He's so cute. Oh. Oh. We digress Wild. again. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they're talking about uh, how they're going to fix Ministerial after the war, and then like this is kind of like, all right, well. We can't really worry about that right now. <laughs> uh, and then they go and hang out with Mary and Pippin, which is, I mean, I just love it when these guys are together. It's just, yeah, it's always a great time. I feel like, you know, they're just kind of hanging out and enjoying each other. Um, and, you know, it, it's like one of those moments where it's like you can see them. You, you know that there's more coming. Like, this isn't, they've, lost, they've won a couple battles, but they know that this isn't like the end of it. Um, and they also talk about how, you know, if Aragorn comes into his own, I think is how they put it, like how they're going, like, you know, how they're going to help him, um, with the city and with Gondor in general. And, you know, they're, they're like, it's clearly like a hopeful little moment, you know, where they're all just kind of like, living in that one moment of peace of like being reunited and again, very sweet and showing how close these, you know, our little fellowship is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the line where it's like Pippin turns to them. It's like, you're breathing. Everything's fine. If, if if only for right now, let's enjoy this moment, guys, please. Can we just like have a good Mm -hmm. time here? Yeah. We also get a little bit of foreboding with Legolas. And he talks he about hearing the gulls. Yes, mm-hmm. his whole gull stricken. I know. Scary. And they were like, and I love how it's like all of them were trying to convince him to not go to the havens. Yeah. Like, no! Yeah. Like, the Middle Earth is going to suck without you. We need you. Got, you. you got stuff to do. You could definitely lend a hand, Legolas. I mean, come on. Yeah. Bro. And now he's like, yeah. But hashtag gulls. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that, that was very interesting. And I think... I think this was the this reading for preparing for this was when that section of the chapter particularly struck me because we're we're also for our book club 
uh, reading about uh, Hurden and um, what was the first? Anyway, uh, tour? We, we hear, tour, yeah, tour and his coming to Gondolin. That's what I'm thinking of. And they talk, they talk often about the gulls and the sea and the beauty and the draw mm-hmm. and the and all of that. And so I was coming out of those chapters, right, um, and coming into this one. And even though it's such a brief mention, um, Legolas and the cry of the gulls, it it really like came full circle for me this this time mm-hmm. yes uh, that means to the elves and, and i know and it, it also is like i mean i leave it out of the movies of course like i and i get it like how would you even bring this up especially with the way that they use like and gimli they're just not really they don't have the same story you know um but in lothlorien Galadriel and like one of her parting words to legolas is like beware the call of the gulls and legolas is like uh, okay, weirdo. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> all right, uh, thanks, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, paths leading where they do, he ends up near the coast um, and sees the gulls near, like, the mouth of the river, I think. And he, and then it's like, I mean, it's kind of like end game for him a little bit. Like, like, oh, he, no. Oh, no, it's the sea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> What is, what's happening to me? <laughs> he's, you know, he's been a wood elf his whole life, and I, he's probably never even really thought about it too much, um, mm-hmm. or been worried about it. And then suddenly, those damn gulls! Like, yeah, the Teleri starting to come out in him when he gets close to the water. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he says, but deep in the hearts of all my kindred lies the sea longing, which is which it is perilous to stir. Alas for the gulls, no peace shall I have again under beech or under elm. Damn. Hey. Yeah. Sorry, Legolas. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it says a lot for him skipping ahead because that's how he thinks, but he stays forever in Middle Earth before he eventually leaves with yeah. his buddy. Yeah. I know. I love that, that it's like those two go on to accomplish a lot of things in Middle Earth before the end of their story. And then they, I mean, it's like, what? Is it Legolas builds his own boat? Like, is he the last elf to leave Middle Earth? Possibly. Because Celeborn is still around. Celeborn and Círdan are still around. Okay. Uh, right? Círdan doesn't go with them with the last ship. But so Celeborn's definitely remember. still around. I don't yeah. think it's written. I don't think we have a date. It might yeah. be like, he eventually did. But it's like, but, it's pretty late in the game when Legolas leaves. Yeah. I mean, all of our other main characters that we know left on the last ship have left. And right? everyone else is dead that didn't leave. Right. Besides those two. So Aragorn dies, I think, the same year that they leave. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, Legolas's life, he doesn't, he's not really going to age so much, but, I mean, Gimli's, like, old. Like, Oh, yeah. You know? I just imagine him, like, kind of looking like his dad, you know? Like, with the, <laughs> the white beard or something, and then they're just rowing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, but I always picture them in a rowboat, like a life raft. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like just like <laughs> these two off they go. <laughs> that's probably wrong, but every time I read that part in the appendices, that's that's what I see. Um, 
Whose fault is that? Nobody's. That's just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, but the, the main uh, guts of this chapter are about, you know, Aragorn, Gandalf, Amer, Imrahil, like the whole crew, um, talking about what they're going to do next. And can we have a refresher about Imrahil's role? I don't think we've talked about him very much. Um, but he, like, we know that he's leading in Faramir's stead while he's getting better, but his role as Prince of Dol Amroth, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. like, yeah. he, remind me who he's related to again. So he's Denethor's brother-in-law. Right. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, Emerhill's sister is Finduilas, who is Denethor's, was Denethor's wife. Um, How old is he? Do you know? Emerhill? Yeah. I'm not positive. He could be, he could be quite old. Hmm. Um, he has, he has the elvish blood in him. Right. I just always uh, imagine, I guess because of the title Prince, I know you don't actually have to be young to be a prince. But in my brain, that always makes him probably <laughs> look younger than he's young I've always and... thought of him as young and handsome. Right. Yeah. So right? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, so he's there. Everyone's there. And, you know, I think that... So the movies definitely tweak this. Right? Um, mm-hmm. The movie version is... Like, I think we ultimately get to the same result, you know, on this. But in the movie, it, the conversation is really led by Aragorn instead of Gandalf. Um, you know, he's the one suggesting drawing out Sauron's armies to give Frodo safe passage across the plains of Gorgoroth. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like the fuller explanation in the books about how they're kind of trying to trick Sauron into believing that Aragorn is trying to mm-hmm. use the ring. Um, instead of just like, hey, and Aragorn even says something about like, we'll send out our full strength. Which is 100% not what they try to do. They just try to bring enough to make it believable that they're mm-hmm. trying to uh, challenge Sauron. That because they are planning to leave a good chunk of men behind. They even say like more than who were defending it when we started the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Um, to get Sauron's attention. Um, and part of this, you know, we talk about the Palantir again, and how Aragorn um, <laughs> has, like, used it. Um, and, you know, before, I'm like 99% sure that we talked about this before. Tim, you would probably remember better, but, but you know, Aragorn looked at it, it at Helm's Deep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I really do understand, like, moving it to this moment, um, but it's not so much because in the book, Aragorn has the mastery. It's rightfully his. Um, he wrestles the vision away from Sauron and is able to see the ships, uh, you know, of the Corsairs of Umbar. Um, and it's all like tactical stuff, you know? It's war, it's it's that. But in the movie, you know, we've got long have you hunted me, blah, blah, blah. You know? And he shows him... Uh, 
Anduril. Wow, I almost called it Narsil. My bad. Oh uh, my goodness, that would have been I know. Ah. I know, I would have gotten eaten alive in the comments. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't care what any dude bro says. Um, but So he shows him his sword, and then he's like, and and then Sauron like shows him Arwen appearing so, to look like she's dying. This doesn't make sense to me in the movies, and I don't think we'll come up with some magical exclamation for it here. But no. if you listen closely, when he's looking into the Palantir, Sauron is chanting stuff in the background and showing him Arwen. Um, fading and right. part of what he's chanting is the um, he clearly says Silivren Pera Miriel which is part of the um, uh, Albereth Gethoniel yeah. which is a prayer to Varda um, so it doesn't I don't think Sauron would be saying those words no um, the, yeah, well, I anyway, I, I, yeah, I, 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 anyway, uh, random wow. aside track. I don't know if anyone, any of the listeners are going to be able to come back with any, any, anything to help me there, but. They were just like having him say anything, I bet you. They but. must have, yeah. And then it ends with, um, uh, Adbuzumishi Krimpatul, so, uh, which, uh, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. But so like, it's like half an elven prayer and half the one ring. It doesn't make sense. So there's something in the movie there that that needs explaining to me. I know. <laughs> I kind of hate that they have Aro. Like, I get it in that they used Arwen as like Aragorn's big driver in some ways in the movie. Um, or like, you know, a big part of his storyline, I should say. He, she isn't really like his motivation the way she should be. Um, but I don't know. I'm like, Sauron wouldn't know they were dating. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. Like, everything that we've heard about what Sauron shows people, like, Gandalf even says it in this chapter about how he doesn't, he, the, the Palantir cannot lie, but he can show you things that make you believe the wrong thing. You know, he can mm-hmm. use it to manipulate you. So, but it's always talking about, like, tactical, like, he's definitely, he's for sure showed Denethor how many forces he has, and to scare him, um, and we know he showed him the black ships and stuff like that, but Aragorn has largely been a secret from Sauron. Nobody, none of the elves, um that have anything to do with Arwen, like, no one, they're not using a Palantir, like, they don't, Sauron doesn't know what is up with that, with his love life, I don't know, I mean, it's like, maybe there's some plausibility to him being able to read Aragorn's mind a little bit, but, um, during that moment, but at the same time, like, I, Aragorn is supposed to have the mastery of it, if, assuming, like, I think they kind of imply that they're using, I, I can't even tell which stone he's supposed to be using in the movie, but it's like, I, I don't know, uh, they, they could have put something, I don't know, I don't really like putting Arwen there, um, maybe they just really needed her to pop up again, I don't know. <laughs> you think well, there's I, any feasibility to that? It's sort of weird, like, it happens when... Elrond is talking to Aragorn way before they start their journey, and he kind Elrond kind of says like, 
her fate is tied to the ring now. So they kind of make it kind of nebulously like her life force is now tied. And in the way that we sort like in an extra, extra way, we know that the elves are tied to Arda, but he makes it seem like Arwen's life force is directly like, like, like tied to the ring and to Sauron. I hate it. And that's the only reason I could think of that. Right. Um, and that makes it, and if, and if that's the way that they're going, that makes it even dumber that the even star crashes to the ground and breaks into a bajillion pieces. Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, no, that was a very, uh, it was dramatic and it was, so the difference between the book and the movies and these two scenes, I think, like you said, is in, in the movies, we, Aragorn seems much weaker and like subject to that manipulation that manipulation whereas in and he only really shows himself at the behest of the council and gandalf's advice but in the books um he chooses when to do it and it's before this this meeting and he had like he very much is more kingly in the books about it he's like okay it is my time now I, yeah, like when Ga- when Gimli is in the someone to tell him, right? Like it, when Gimli is like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, are you sure you should have done that? Like, did you tell him too much? And he's like, "You forget who you're talking to." <laughs> I'm Aragorn. Like, that's mine. That's my Palantir. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, it is mine to use, and it's like, okay, sure. Just thinking uh, back to the last episode when we're in the Palantir, and Gandalf gives him the stone. And he's like, Aragorn's like, all right, I'm going to call him out. Gandalf's like, nah, you probably should not. Let's be a little bit more secret. Gandalf leaves. About a day later, Aragorn's busting it out at Helm's Deep. Eh, it's my stone. I'm going to do what I want. I'm the king, yeah, baby. I'm a king, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very Aragorn. Because I think that's something that doesn't, it's definitely not in the movie. Like, I mean, they, they take Aragorn in a different direction for sure. But in the appendices, it talks about how when Elrond tells Aragorn that he is the rightful king, he's like, hell yes! He's like, I'm on top of the world! You know, he's like feeling himself, and that's the moment when he sees Arwen for the first time, you know, and he's like, you know, he's like, man, and then that's when he feels like, kind of stupid. He's like, wow, I thought I was cool a second ago, but now I'm looking at you, and I feel kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I think there is a little bit of that, like, the, you know, like the older version of Aragorn still kind of has a little bit of that, you know, like he, he knows he's the king and he, that is his, uh, to take. Um, but he does do it in a very diplomatic way, of course. But then there's like stuff like the planter where he's like, yeah, I can use this. Um, and he's like, he says he had the strength, but barely to take it away from Sauron, but still did it. But in the movies, no, he he doesn't. I would I would say that was a, uh, yeah. You know, he just kind of tells him that he's there, which I guess he accomplishes, um, but doesn't wrestle the vision away from Sauron. Um, but you know, it's interesting. Like they kind of chop up this conversation because it really is mostly Gandalf. Um, but you know, when we talk about that you, you know will not be won by strength of arms you know this is like Gandalf is saying like he doesn't think victory can be achieved by arms but he still hopes victory 
Um, I love it when he's, I think it's to Imrahil where he's like, he tells everyone that like, it would be prudent to do X, Y, and Z, like hanging out in Minas Tirith and like stocking up and like staying in your like strongholds. And Imrahil is like, what? Eh? Huh? You know, like that's not, he's, you know, and he's like, hey, I don't count. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm saying you have done this. Um, I do not counsel prudence. I, um, yes. I, I love <laughs> I that. Like that. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a cool moment. Um, but in the movie, Gandalf is like, I've, you know, he's like, he reminds me more of like a grandpa, where he's like, oh, I've sent Frodo to his death. Like, what have I done? He's like, there's no way that, and then that's when Aragorn kind of they show him stepping up to the plate and being like no like we can you know do then the whole diversion thing and um but when i just love the way gandalf talks about it in the book rather than um kind of how they do it in the movie where it's like yeah they i mean it's it's not i wouldn't say it's like wrong but like the way it's presented is a little bit more methodical, I think, in the book where he, Gandalf is talking about Sauron studies the signs. You know, like we've got the sword that robbed him of his treasure remade, the winds of fortune turning in our favor, and the defeat unlooked for of of his first assault and the fall of his great captain. So he's seeing all of these things, um, and. Gandalf suggests calling out his hidden strengths so that he shall empty his land, you know, which Aragorn kind of says in the movie, and we must march out to meet him at once. Um, we must make ourselves the bait, though his jaws should close on us. He will take that bait in hope and in greed, for he will think that in such rashness he sees the pride of the new ring lord. So the idea isn't just that Aragorn is calling him out because he is, like, a scary name for Sauron. It's part of it. It's part of it. But the it's a bluff to make it seem like Aragorn has the ring and is too cocky and is calling him out mm-hmm. that way. You know, he's like, I've got the ring. I don't have anything to worry about. And then he's like, idiot, I'll just like eat you up. Um, So like, that's the plan. Not just like, I'm the heir of Lindel and that's a scary name. It doesn't definitely is kind of scary, but more so scared that he may have the ring. Because Sauron do- still doesn't know where it is. He knows something is up with the ring, um, but he's like waiting for someone to show that they have it, because it is, again, never entered his wildest dream that anyone wouldn't try to use it. That anyone mm-hmm. would want to destroy it is absolutely out of the question. He's never even... I don't think that thought has entered his mind. Yeah. Thoughts uh, on the strategy. <laughs> I, I I think back to earlier in the chapter when when Legolas is talking about seeing like the full glory of Aragorn. Like, imagine how scary it would have been if he <gasps> oh, did yeah. claim the ring, and for Sauron to be like, "Oh, he claimed the ring. Cool. This is my chance to win." Yeah. Is 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 a crazy uh, proposition. But if there's anybody that could take out any kind of ring bearer, it would be him. And I mean, it's it's a it's a really great plan. Realistically, I mean, they all know they're essentially going to die. Yeah. But it's 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 either we go and we die, 
or we stay here and we die with no hope of victory for anyone else. And is it not the same thoughts that Frodo is having where he is like, he has that moment where like he thinks that everything is kind of over because he sees the Witch King leaving Minas Morgul and he's like, damn, all my friends are going to be dead and I'm, and maybe I'll accomplish this. I don't know. But, you know, his whole thing is like, he knows he's going to die in his attempt. Like, he's like, don't plan for the journey back, Sam. Mm. Don't worry about it. Like, it's, it's not it's not in the cards, buddy. Um, <laughs> he's like, all we could do is, is get it this far, you know? And then same thing for them. They're like, you know, if Frodo can survive to this point, it doesn't matter, you know? Um, if we die, you know? And Frodo is like, well... Maybe I'll might maybe I'll be dead, but I'll have hopefully saved it for someone, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking the same thoughts. Always. Aragorn and Frodo are always on the same page, I feel like. Like at the beginning of Two Towers, they're both like, Man, I'm making all the wrong decisions, but what else can <laughs> I do but keep going? And then I think it's kinda similar here. They're both like, Well, we're fucked, but hopefully someone won't be. Someone else will survive this because of what we've been able to do. So, when I was reading last night, um, Gandalf's starting to, like, unveil the plan, and it's like, in this moment, is this the only time that we really get to see the true Gandalf? Hmm. Where it's, there's always, there's always, like, um, I wouldn't say like hidden meaning behind his words, but he's he's trying to accomplish something because he's he cannot lead by force. It's we yeah. all know that, so he's trying to lead everybody in the right direction. But this is his last chance. This is our last opportunity to do it, and he like finally Gandalf uncloaked, and he's like, "This is what it is, guys." He lays it all out like you're saying, very methodically, mm-hmm. and we know it's. A t- <laughs> terrible choice to make because everyone sits there in silence after he's done until Aragorn's like you know we should probably listen to Gandalf after his entire career in Middle Earth has been trying to beat this guy listen to him now and and like I have chills thinking about it I listened to an audiobook version I had this awesome music in the background so I had I can like picture it all in my in my head it's it's truly like Gandalf full-fledged this is him the last chance we get to see this character really in in the whole the whole trilogy yeah that's an interesting point because it's like we see we're gonna see Gandalf go kind of toe-to-toe with the mouth of Sauron later but here is the moment where instead of leading by suggestion really um and like kind of being more in the background and just like pushing people in the right direction he's like no no here's how it's gonna be you know like even at the council of elrond there is it's more like he doesn't you know like he doesn't really he doesn't push frodo to do it even though i think he knows that frodo should do it he doesn't um tell anybody to do anything but it all just kind of like works out and like hint hint nudge nudge when it comes to like Mary mm-hmm. and Pippin. Um, I do think that there is a point in here in one of these chapters where he says say like thank goodness, you know, 
uh, Elrond, I, you know, I didn't listen to Elrond and you guys came yep. on the journey, um, which I love because he's like, mm-hmm. who knows what would have happened without you two, which I'm like, no. Um, but, you know, I think that was also more like, you know, he wasn't like Elrond, you dummy. Obviously they should go. It was like, trust to their friendship rather than wisdom you know like it's more like here's my reasoning but and why i think this should be you know and in this point he's like no here's the plan stan and he just kind of like lays out why you know what it is they're gonna do and, and then they just figure out how to execute it so i mean maybe this is full gandalf the white but I still, I still think that there is like the cutie patootie side of Gandalf still in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like whenever he's around hobbits, I just think this like other side of Gandalf comes out. Um, but he's he's a bit busy for hanging out with hobbits in in this part, <laughs> in these parts, I should say. Mm-hmm. This this big meeting of kings and generals all hanging out, and Legolas and Gimli and Merry Pippin just chilling in the House of Healing, probably smoking, yeah. shooting, smoking, listening yeah. to the story of the Paths of the Dead, which Gimli will not tell. I know he's like he's like he's I feel good. bad about that. He's like I <laughs> I'm a dwarf. I should have been fine. And it's like it's all right, dude. It's okay. It was Legolas so is like I didn't feel the fear. Because, you know, I'm not worried about these gu- these men's spirits. Like, oh, thanks, <laughs> yeah. dude. Thanks for having my back, Legolas. I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know. I always felt bad in, for Gimli in the Paths of the Dead scene because he's the one, like, trailing behind everyone else. And he's the one, therefore, closest to the army of the dead, like, feeling them <laughs> following him. And he's like, oh, like, oh, it's, it's just it's probably terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But really, you know, this chapter ends with them deciding in about, what, two days' time, they're going to have, what is it? It's like, he like, 7,000. 7, I was going to say 6. Yeah, to, to go out. Seven yeah, <laughs> that, that's fair. Yep. Um, and it's only like 1,000 on horses and the rest on foot. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the Rohirrim are leaving a good chunk behind as well as they know that men, some men from the south of Gondor are also showing up soon. So they feel pretty good about leaving Minas Tirith behind. Um, like, it will be defended, even if the gate is broken. But they're like, well, there's no way we're going to get that fixed in the amount of time we need. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting, like, thinking about Gandalf providing the timeline of, in two days, we got to get out of here to go, you know, distract Sauron, basically. And it's, I wonder, like, does he have a sixth sense about where Frodo is? Like, I know he talks about not knowing what's up with Frodo, but it's almost like, I don't know. It kind of feels like he has, like, a, a, a feel His, for where sense of where timing is. is pretty impeccable. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> at the first light on the third day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's... He seems to have some, because I mean, why not three days after all this time? Why not one day after this big? We battle? know nobody has slept yet. I mean, I maybe. No. I mean, Aragorn slept for like a hot second, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's wild, because we yeah. do know that everything kind of happens like, boom, 
at the same time. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know what his uh, connection is with the man upstairs, but it kind of seems like... Pretty good connection, yeah. Right. That's what it, so it sounds like. He's just <laughs> like, I just I just have a really good feeling about it in two days' time. I don't know what it is. But... This day feels good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and similar to, like, where the spot ends in the movie is that they're, like, the, the sec second that I stop it is, like, when Aragorn, it cuts to him from the his, his necklace breaking to mm -hmm. uh, him riding off to, you know, they're off to challenge Sauron, they're yeah. off to Mordor That's at, like, three I hours and seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, like... If we just let the movie go, you know what I mean? Like, we're, like, so close to the end, but there are so many chapters <laughs> left. <laughs> um, I mean, we still have... Almost at the end of book, book five. Yeah. Book six is still untouched. True, 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 true. We have... Um, so next time we have the Land of Shadow and the Black Gate opens. Uh, and then, so it's one, two, three... Four? Oh, I guess it's four more episodes of chapters. Two chapters each. Oh, wow. Wow. What? I don't know. Now I'm just reflecting on this podcasting journey we've been on. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, this was like, what, like a harebrained idea I had at the end of 2021. And we recorded our first episode at the end of February of this of 2022 in case anybody stumbles upon this at a different point in time they won't but you know um so yeah been going full speed ahead since March for sure that's pretty amazing yeah you've yeah. done you've done very good consistent work since then I try I try that's, that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we were talking, and I think we said you were the most consistent of all of the podcasters. Aww. Yeah, definitely. You are like, like, cutthroat once a week. Every. <laughs> like, I try to. This week was kind of a fail, but I'm as soon as we uh, hang up, I'm gonna go edit some more. Um, while laying down. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very good. Yeah. So yeah. This is, uh, is there any other thoughts about the last debate or anything we didn't touch on that you all wanted to speak to? Two days is a long time to keep a sword unsheathed. Yeah. Uh, the last line right. of that chapter, he pulls the sword out and it's like, <laughs> you will not be sheathed again until this, until this battle is, is he over. just eating his breakfast like, grits like that? Or like, think of the I size know. of that sword. My God, Aragorn. <laughs> Just commanding, pointing at people with it. Let's go. <laughs> I can't gate. put it back. I cannot put it back. I, I must be out. So. I know. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that. I was just like, all right, Eric, are you weirdo? <laughs> That's an excellent point. That's It's it's the details that matter. It's the details. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Tolkien, whatever you want. Whatever <laughs> Whatever you want Aragorn to do. Um, yeah. 
And now it's interesting, um, you know, we will see this later, but I do want to just remind folks that Aelin, Baramir, and Mary are all staying at the Houses of Healing. Uh, they are recovered, uh, if you want to say, but they are not recovered and that they can go about their normal business. Um, but in the movie, I know that Mary does go to the Black Gate with yeah. them. They should all be resting. I know Eowyn's a- one arm is just shattered. Yeah. So yeah, there's not much she, like... she could do in battle. Yeah, then that's no, there's no sort of magical king healing that'll mend all those broken bones in two days, right? That's yeah. Not... And Faramir was like poisoned to the point of almost, you know, like he had a he fever for well. days. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't just bounce back after that in two days. So, um, Mary probably feels like he could, but uh, he does not get to go, um, and so. Later, we'll see Pippin as our kind of our only representative of Hobbits at the gate. Mm-hmm. Which it's just so funny because he's like the youngest little baby Hobbit. Yeah, um, he does he did a lot job. of growing up over sure the does. story, though. Yeah, very much, very much. And it's funny because it's I don't know. I, I'm excited to when we get to. The end, I don't technically have the appendices on the list, but I definitely think that's something that we should talk about once the Mm -hmm. chapters are over, because we do see a lot of, you know, what happens with our hobbits. And I think that, you know, while I think that Middle-earth does, most of the legendarium is around, like, what's going on with the elves and the men, I just, like... I kind of wish that, uh, but we have all of our actual novels kind of centering around um, Hobbits, and I know that Tolkien tried to write a sequel, right? But it, like, depressed the heck out of him because he had, like, this new evil um, creeping into the world, and it wasn't like a big bad like Sauron or Morgoth, but um, and it just made him too sad and he didn't finish it. And I'm like, sir, <laughs> I know I wasn't around to for you to ask, but you put so much about the lives of the hobbits afterwards. Why not just turn that into, like, you have the outline in the appendices. Why not just turn that into a novel? Like, that's I'll what I book, want. I'll read a book about Sam being the mayor of the Shire. Yes. Yeah, that's give what it to I me. want. Like, give Just me more Eleanor. Gardening. I will read that. <laughs> Seriously. Or, you know, about, like, Mary and Pippin going and visiting Gondor. Or, you know, just life with Rosie. Or We get that whatever. one chapter in, is it Sauron Defeated? We get one chapter of Sam right. uh, with talking to his kids about Aragorn's coming to visit. Oh, we get yeah. That, we do get that one chapter. I can't It's been so long since I've read it. Right. Like reading the letter from him. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. That's all we got. I know. I just think, like, if you really wanted to write a sequel, you could just, like, lean back into the Hobbit vibes and just give us a post, immediately post Lord of the Rings with, like, how the Shire's doing, how they rebuild, you know, Um, how we deal with 
just, you know, cute little things. Or, you know, just like Hobbit politics. <laughs> I don't care. Um, Instead, he just finishes the Silmarillion, which is this dark, depressing story. What happened, Tolkien? <clears throat> what happened? Poor MC. <laughs> <laughs> she's um the podcast um that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about yeah she got through um some 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 of the more difficult chapters these last few weeks yeah <laughs> i think they were that's hard for her <laughs> i know and it's like i get it like this is where his heart what you know his life's work right but I, if I had been his publisher, I would have been like, sir, you remember that time I asked you for a sequel to The Hobbit? I still don't feel like you did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now you need to give us a post-loader, like, stay in the Shire, please. Stay in the Shire. Because um, I think it would have been really interesting to see more of his thoughts on because you know at the beginning we have like the shire being this kind of like closed off society but then you have like mary and pippin and sam and frodo for a shorter period like becoming its leaders and how it's kind of like it's aragorn makes it its own thing like governance wise but at the same time i do feel like there is more cooperation you know they are like doing more with the outside world at that point and i would just love to see a juxtaposition of that shire versus like the shire we have at the beginning in like the hobbit or at the beginning of lord of the rings about how it has like changed for the better almost you know like things weren't necessarily what they were you know like it's a malarn tree now instead of a the party tree which is i don't know like an oak or something you know what i mean like things changes like that and just how it like impacted hobbit society i think would have been cool to see and also just like hobbits who doesn't want more hobbits <laughs> so next time we're doing the land of shadow and the black gate opens which i think means we check in on frodo and sam and we also does that mean we yeah, we are going to get, so yeah, we're checking in on Frodo and Sam, and we're getting um, the Mouth of Sauron, which is a part that mm. I particularly love, so. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. That's good. So we have talked for a really long time, so I am going to let you go, uh, <laughs> listener. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed, and we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.